Hey, Podnoxian. Welcome to Lennox for the Rest of Us, episode 245. This show is brought to you by our Patreons, not by paid advertisers, but by individuals that thought they would rather hear their own names mentioned versus mattresses, jewelry, discounters, or anything else. And this one is brought to you by Eliza Roth. Thank you very much for the patronage. And speaking of people I'm thankful for, we also are joined tonight by the almighty Mr. Bruce Patterson, the host of the Distro Watch podcast, which I will, I don't hesitate saying, is one of my favorite Linux podcasts that I listen to. How's everything going, Bruce? Things are going well, but it looks like we've been frozen. Well, let me come over here and hit F5 and refresh, and let's see if it comes back better than before. Hopefully it will. Um, I will say in the Linux world, we've been, I don't want to say overtaken, but the amount of enterprise business and um, Linux content has been overwhelming, uh, almost to the point of being disgusting. Um, where I am a fan of the homegrown consumer-based, residential-based Linux content, and it seems like it's been quieter for that in the last two to three months oh yeah looks like we're back the um little person from game of thrones said that he drank and he knew things i drink and i know how to stream (laughs) (laughs) so in the realms of lennox bruce i'll say this in the last you know 30 days or so Has there been anything that you've seen in the Linux world that you think has been important enough for you to divert your attention from Hollywood content, Bollywood content, or memes to where you actually said, self, I need to pay attention to this? Because personally, there hasn't been a lot for me. Well, I think a couple of things. uh, So, yes, actually, um, one of those I think I mentioned last time we spoke um, I actually managed to attend the uh, virtual Red Hat event. And um, one of the things that I really enjoyed from it, uh, they had a couple of keynote speakers, but one of the best messages, the biggest takeaway from that was uh, um, with IBM taking that over, and more importantly, with Jim Whitehurst being absorbed into the IBM board, yes. one of the most important things that came up was what they want to do in the future. They said they want to lead now. They want to be the ones that invent things. And uh, I'll tell you, it's really interesting. I I like the message, and I hope that they're really earnest in it, because if anybody can pull it off, it's them. One interesting side note, I understand that uh, um, Harvard University is employing Watson to answer help desk calls. Now, that's kind of interesting, because that would be... Uh, they're going to use the AI functionality of it to see how it, it handles calls and things like that. But I'll be very curious to see what that does because you can hire a small team of Watsons for a fraction of the cost. So there we are. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that I will say is like a blind Watson fan or an IBM fan. I will say this. The trials and tribulations that IBM as a company has went through, I think has educated them enough to say after purchasing Red Hat, 
let's take a lot of the Red Hat morals, ethics, beliefs, patterns, and incorporate them into how we work. Thus, I truly believe 2020-2021 will be an important, a utterly important years for IBM as a company where Red Hat will be refocusing IBM's objectives is the way that I'll put it. Because it's very clear to me that open source has overtaken every other ecosystem in every sense of the word, in every business module that could exist. Open source is always what they default to. Like three or five years ago, the term was mobile first. And that was to let web developers know when you develop your interface, it's mobile first, desktop second. And now in every enterprise ecosystem, I've been privy to have my individual like view on it's always open source first, which I honestly love. But we have to understand that once we're allowed into that ecosystem, we cannot be satisfied with just influencing that first layer of what they do. We have to push onwards and keep going more forward until we completely devour every layer of their business ecosystem, prodigy, their way of life, whatever. Well, and I'm sorry to be this broken record, but, you know, again, this is one of those opportune moments where the Linux Foundation could step the F up because the thing is, is that, well, there was an article that you had sent us about uh, um, Munich doing an about face. You know, they they did the, the, the crisscross. <laughs> they took on Red Hat and decided, oh, I don't know, it's our, our um, employees are having a hard time. And then, yeah, I'm sure they just got the recent bill for some Azure or Exchange product. And it's like, open source it is. So they're speeding back. And I'm really hoping that a couple of things happen. You know, uh, I know that they're going to probably try and learn from their mistakes. Here's one thing I think that is is really a non-issue. Uh, it's the issue of the desktop. And the reason why I say that is because when we're now at a point where just about everybody who's being hired into the workforce has grown up with a computer. And a lot of these folks can adapt, you know, whether it's, you know, a crappy Mac or, you know, Windows or Linux. I don't think they care. If they have a, a small walnut-sized brain, they should be able to go to menu, find the programs they want, and run them. Because if you can't do those things, you're unemployable in today's workforce. Yes, and I do believe we have made it un like unbelievably easy for some people to be incompetent. Um, I do believe uh, the smart people will overtake the incompetency. Unfortunately, I think it will be one of those things that will might take like one or two cycles. I don't know what other word to use, but it's going to be one of those things that we're going to have to overtake as a, as like a, a team. Well, I also think that, your company is only as tech savvy as your CEO or leader, because if they're not very tech savvy, you have what you have. And if you're in a in an aging dinosaur legacy uh, uh, infrastructure like I'm part of, well, you know, you get what you get. And I'll just say, if that is true, then man, Red Hat is poised for unbelievable dominance because there's been so, because look. 
I listen to a lot of different content from Financial Times, Bloomberg, Business Week, um, Twit, I mean, NPR, PBS, Fox News, ABC, NBC. It keeps going. And the heads of those industries seem to me that they seem to be lacking a lot of technical competency, except for Red Hat. The CIO of Red Hat, I believe if you give them an ancient computer and tell them they need to create something, I honestly think they would be able to create it. Um, not many CIOs, I believe, have that ability. No, and I think one of the worst parts about it is that you don't necessarily, uh, no, I think you really do need a small idea of the technology that your company is running. Um, there was an article uh, in uh, uh, one of the older Linux uh, magazines. Anyway, the bottom line is there was a short list of what a, a CEO slash CIO should have going into running their company. And, you know, these are all, you need to understand what each programming language is doing or is about you don't have to understand the you know the ins and outs of the actual language but understand what it is doing you know html the whole nine yards things like that but anyway i i i'm going off the rails here but i think really uh let's circle back the bottom line is that with the new change in leadership at ibm we'll see what happens with red hat going forward and ibm as a company on the whole one minor thing I'd like to mention is that what's interesting is you can see that the community effect of Linux has finally hit these places because uh, the last uh, Azure global event that I attended uh, actually was, this was the first time I've ever seen documents disclosed, you know, uh, Twitter accounts being named, websites that you can go to, and a GitHub repository for all of these ways to pass an exam. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's the, I don't want to say classic example because it makes me sound snobbish. It makes me sound boozy, but those are the classic examples of how open source are completely winning and dominating. When you have these closed source companies have no choice but to disclose, have no choice but to put out there in the open how things are working. Um, I listen to a lot of financial and business podcasts, and I'll say this, disclosure. If you want to know what I listen to, then just go to podnuts.com and subscribe to The Revolving Door. I'm now up to about episode 40. I currently subscribe to over 155 podcasts. I listen to an average of 20 to 48 hours of podcasts a day because I listen to them sped up. And some of them are business focused and the amount of business focused podcasts that the people who are talking don't have any idea what HTML stands for. They have no idea how Python is actually written. They have no idea what LS or DIR does in a command prompt or what a command prompt is. And yet they speak about open source ideals, principles, and software technology because it's a motivating factor in business today. I love how open source has made everybody in every field completely reevaluate everything that they're doing. And again, I'm not a fan of Red Hat at all. I'm more than a fan of more than a couple of people who I know 
who work for Red Hat because I know they have the universe's best of intentions at play. And I know everything I'm seeing from Red Hat involving IBM tells me Red Hat is influencing IBM more than IBM is influencing Red Hat. Thus, I will support everything CentOS. I will support everything Red Hat. I will support everything Fedora moving forward, even though I will never install any of them on my local infrastructure. I will monetarily support them until the nth degree. Oh, you know, funny thing that you mentioned, uh, both CentOS and Fedora, because both communities are run by fine human beings. You know, Matthew Miller is uh, the man who uh, is, he, yeah, he's the Fedora project leader currently. Yeah, he is. Yep. And then uh, you got Karen Beer Singh, who runs CentOS. He's been running CentOS for quite some time now. Uh, and those two gentlemen have everything well in hand. And, um, you know, if those were teams that I had the skills to help out, absolutely. Yeah. And like part of the thing is I admonish my own limitations. Hypothetically, I got fired tomorrow and I won the lotto. So I could do anything I wanted to do. I still don't believe my competency would be enough to be an influencing factor on Fedora or CentOS. Now, as far as I'm concerned, Fedora and CentOS don't exist at all. Red Hat exists. And then there's some fledgling thing Red Hat considers Red Hat beta, which is some combination of Fedora and CentOS that they admonish existing, but they really don't want it to completely influence every decision that they make. And that's where I think Red Hat does it right. They have their own ideals and belief in place, and they let Fedora and CentOS do whatever they want to do with no hold barred. They don't tell them what to do. They tell them to do whatever the hell they want to do. But then when it comes time to revision and it comes time to push updates forward, they only do what they think is right for everybody, the business holder, the stakeholders, the people in Fedora, the people in Red Hat, the people in CentOS and everybody, which I firmly think is incredibly complex to do, almost as complex as being the head of Debian. While it's almost morally different in how they do their things. I think the result ends up being almost identical because it's the best of all worlds, the best of all parties, the best of all solutions. And what they firmly believe is the best for the future of humanity and computing. That's why anytime I have the chance, I tell companies, industries, and infrastructures, enterprise, and my own government, you need to purchase software from these two companies, either Debian or Red Hat. Now, taking a stroll off uh, off the beaten path for a second, in a non sequitur uh, uh, observation, one of the things I thought was interesting is that so we've seen a couple of distributions change leaderships this year, and um, you know it was one of those where you know you're always concerned for the smaller distros. For example, Solus being one of them. You know when uh, Ike you know took a sabbatical without telling the rest of the uh, the team that. You know, you worried about the OS. Can I, you know, work with it? Can I install it? Is it worth it? And it looks like the people have actually picked up the, uh, you know, the baton and run with it. And then there was the uh, the tragic death of Ian Murdoch this past uh, year or the year before. 
And again, you worried about the, uh, you know, the leadership of the distro because, you know, well, let's face it, they are the largest supported with uh, well over a thousand developers in there pitching in. So they're in good, they're in good hands. And then there was another one, uh, Bodhi Linux. Um, that was another one where Jeff Hooglin stepped away from it because life took over. And those distros seem to do very well. So I guess bottom line is what I'm saying is that for a lot of the concerns that I had about community spins and things like that, uh, there's enough kids out there to help pick up the torch and run with it. And so I think for some of the folks who may have thought that the OS is dead, in some small degree, it could be. But I think right now, uh, the Linux future is in good hands. It is. And the one thing I'm going to ask you to help me in describing to the people who are new to this podcast is a decade ago, there was an unbelievably clear demarcation between distribution and spins. Nowadays, I believe that line is incredibly blurred. And what I'll say is back in the day, 10, 15, 18 plus years ago, a distribution was something that had incredible amounts of unique code onto it. And a spin was nothing but a distribution twisted with a little bit of flavor thrown on top. And to be quite honest, one of the first spins that had any success was Linux Mint because the actual amount of code base that was changed on Linux Mint compared to Debian versus Ubuntu was uncommonly low, like less than 10% of what Ubuntu changed than Linux Mint changed. Um, we in Linux in 2020 have a tendency to call everything a distribution, and I almost wish we would start to call things spins versus versus complete distribution releases like we did a while ago because i do think the amount of code change versus what you're basing it off of should be stated in some shape or form um because again one of my favorite websites to visit distrowatch.com i'm seeing a great number of distributions being mentioned as di distributions when in my ignorant humble opinion they're not complete distributions they're merely spins on what are considered popular distributions well i think right now you've got 20 derivative ones there is a good handful is what i'll say um and it seems like more people are focusing hyper focusing towards more popular distributions and creating spins off of them where quite literally the spin just changes the start menu changes the desktop background and changes the defaults for their browsers and that's all they ever do where you have things like slackware that change everything debian that changes everything um even i'll say clear os that changes everything and then you have these other things and i don't want to insult anyone independently but i'll say paris os uh, parrot os is one of them um the number of ubuntu derivatives that change less than eight percent of the actual code base and call themselves a complete distribution look i had podbuntu okay podbuntu changed the desktop 
change a lot of the desktop icons, change things in the home directory, and that equated to 7% code. And it took me like a week, okay? So a lot of these distributions that claim to be complete distributions to me are not distributions being a gray beard without a beard. Because when I take a beard and I put it on my 3D printed mask, it doesn't it isn't as effective. So it's great to play with all these other, in air quotes, distributions. But listen, they're not. They're just spins of other distributions is my core belief. No, I, I completely agree with that because the thing is, is that, you know, uh, what I meant to say, I got thrown off a little bit. So currently in the DistroWatch top 50 or whatever, 20 spins are based off of Ubuntu. So, uh, and again, Ubuntu, of course, is a spin off of Debian. So, I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things. I do want to at some point go and revisit Slackware because it has been a long, long time since I last used that distro. And um, they still seem to be chugging along just fine. And I'll, and I'll look. Okay. I said this to my kid earlier today. It doesn't matter where you point. You take your finger and you point it. And I guarantee you one thing. You're pointing to a galaxy somewhere. That's how many galaxies there are. They're all around us. Hundreds of millions of billions everywhere. Okay? And as human beings, anywhere you point, there's an idiot. Because they're everywhere. They exist everywhere. These spins seem to exist everywhere. If you take your time and you actually devote time to Arch, and I hate saying this one out loud, but Gen 2... If you take your time and you devote to Slackware, if you sl devote time to Gen 2, if you devote your time to Debian, if you devote your time to Linux to Scratch, if you devote your time to one of those, even SUS, you will find a core distribution. Okay. Granted, certain things might be more difficult, but you're learning the core of an operating system, not just some flaccid overlaying of a desktop environment like, dare I say, a Linux Mint, which is to me the utter, unbelievably, disturbingly, unbelievable culprit to just taking a di distribution and just spinning it. I hope people focus more on the cores, and dare I say this, and I'm going to say this because I have no choice. The Linux subsystem on Windows is more of a core distribution of Linux than Linux Mint. It has more unique details than Linux Mint, which means to me and people, you know, in enterprise who make billions of dollars a year, if you learn the Linux subsystem for Windows, you will be worth more money per hour, per week, per year, per life than if you know Linux Mint. Oh, and that, that's, yeah, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. No, no joke. In fact, I can tell you right off the bat, uh, our department was actually looking for a uh, Linux slash Windows admin. And well, there was no way we were going to meet the salary of the incoming guy who was well overqualified for the job. But they were seeking at 170 and he was pricing himself 20K lower. They usually start at 190 and above. They're out there and they're scary. Yeah, I mean... If you want to understand Linux, then I beg people to 
draw yourself inwards. Get away from every spin. And look, I like Bodie Lennox. I like uh, more than a couple of the French distributions that I've witnessed, but they're all spins of what ends up to be Debian, Slackware, or Red Hat. Take your time to learn those core operating systems, and I promise you this. I promise nobody nothing. I promise you this. If you take the time to learn the basic core operating systems, you, me, anybody can sit down, fill out a resume, and earn 10 times of what the people who live two doors, 10 doors, or 100 doors down from you. Because you know this basic core operating system. And I said it once and I'll say it again. Bruce, look, between me and you, in the last 60 days, I don't know because I lost track of time. I've donated over $4,000 worth of my money to the locals because not everybody is working 40 hours a week. Not everybody is as blessed in air quotes because bless isn't really a thing. You mental invalids. They don't have the luxuries I have. I've literally donated $4,000 plus in the last 60 days to people who live close to me to make sure they can still buy liquor, bread, milk, and like uh, eggs is what I'll say. Um, And it's only because I know the technology that I know versus they do not know the technology that they utilize every day. Well, I know at this point, I give what I can, but, you know, uh, at this point, I'm just grateful for the things that I have here because, you know, um, I don't think I've ever been in a state where uh, I'm, I'm not actually in fear of anything right now, just my own health, you know, and the immediate family. So I guess that's something I'll take with me here. Um so let's look on, since we're talking about, you know, uh, health and stuff like that, or since I am, one of the things that's interesting that's emerged are these virtual conferences. That list you sent, um, was there anything that really stuck out that you might be interested in? Well, I'll first say, Bruce, I am literally not trying to guilt anybody into doing anything. I'll just say this. If you have the potential to help other people and you don't, let me know because I'll I'll pay the tuition, I'll come to your door, I'll knock on it, and I'll punch you in the throat because you're worthless and you're useless as far as I'm concerned. We all should be available to help everyone around us. And that's all I'm doing. I'm not doing anything I don't expect anybody else to do, nor am I doing anything to the detriment of my own family. Okay? Uh, I'm, I'm not. They're spoiled rotten. My wife gets everything she wants. My kids get everything they want. I get everything they want. And I, and I still find the time to help everybody else around me because I don't know. It's easy. Um, the link I will say that I did find was, um, a link to basically every conference, every event that has decided already to go completely virtual. Um, and I'll put it like this. There's a lot of them. There's a hell of a lot of them. The good thing is a lot of them have decided to also take away the paywalls. Um, It was at IPProToday.com was the actual link. Um, Let me see if I can copy this thing without completely destroying my browser. Um, Look, Bruce, I'll just put it like this. Between me and you, half of the conferences I've ever existed 
and went to, I end up running from people, hiding in the bathroom and crying for like 20 or 30 minutes because I cannot take the amount of people that are around me. Um, being an introvert, this entire COVID shelter in place thing has been one of the most blessings things I've ever witnessed in my life because I've witnessed the least amount of stress I've ever witnessed in my life in the last two or three months. Um, following this link to itprotoday.com, which will be in the notes, it's every open source conference that decided we're going to go completely online and a lot of them are completely free. Unfortunately, some of them have already passed, like the Red Hat Summit already passed. The Open Source 101 conference passed already. Uh, the V Forum Online already passed. The Pecora Online already passed. But there's more than a couple links in this notes that are in the future. And I honestly encourage people, if you are at all thinking open source can help contribute to your future ecosystem of what makes you valuable to other people. You need to keep looking at these kinds of links and find what kind of conferences are moving forward. There's a hell of a lot of them that will be completely free, even up to the end of September, to where you can partake, you can learn, you can educate yourself, and even VMworld, September 28th, I can right now tell you right now, I don't care what they say, that's going to be a, a free event. <clears throat> because... VMworld is the one thing that they rely on in pushing their product. Well, one of the other things that I noticed wasn't on this list actually was OSCON um, over in Portland. They actually uh, run usually in July. And uh, as things are slated right now, they're still on target to uh, continue. But whether or not that turns into a virtual event, they haven't made uh, an announcement yet. So I'll be watching that one closely. And then another one I'm kind of curious about, what about our friend down in Philadelphia? Or have you heard anything about FOSCON yet? I've heard nothing about FOSCON. And I'll, as being completely honest with you, Bruce, I expect FOSCON to announce something well before the people in Portland. Portland is a unique city with unique people who don't believe anything that's presented to them except for what they want to believe. That's what I'll say. Um, I do believe FalseCon will be announced within the next 30 days as being online, completely free. And I do expect um, uh, James, I believe is the main guy behind FalseCon, to do everything in his power to push everything everything to be online, whether it be us hanging out, whether it be him contacting people or the people putting their things in the public sphere. Um, FalseCon, I believe, is going to be one of the most positive conferences to gain as much numbers as possible in this COVID experience is what I'll say. Well, either way, I'm hoping we hear soon because I would, uh, again, that's an event that I would love to uh, attend. We'll see what happens with this. Um, you know, again, everybody with, uh, you know, their social distancing. Actually, I think James Corden had the best phrase for it. It's really physical distancing. Ding. I don't know if social, you know, it's not social distancing because you and I are talking now and we invite all the people we can to talk <laughs> Well, I, I, well, Bruce, between you and me, 
and anybody who dares download this content. I said to my wife, social distancing is an unbelievably inaccurate misnomer. And I like saying those kinds of things to my wife because she's more educated than myself. And when I say those kinds of things, it makes her stop and gather her thoughts. And I said, it's nothing to do with social distancing. It's physical distancing. It's like changing the word from shell-shocked to post-traumatic syndrome. It's like they're trying to add more syllables to make it more accessible to people. It's physical distancing. It doesn't matter if I wear my mask. It doesn't matter if anything else. It just matters, do I have the physical distance between A and B? And if I do have the physical distance between A and B, I'm safer, my kids are safer, my wife is safer, and everybody I interact with is safer. And if anything else matters, I'll be shocked because I am unbelievably hyper-focused and prioritized on my local ecosystem and anybody else I really don't care about. And that's how everybody is, if I'm not mistaken, Bruce. Nothing has changed, even before the sickness. I kept my social distancing to the people I didn't want to see. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, my job um, come like middle May said you have to telecommute if you can telecommute. And I say to my coworkers, I love you, but I don't want to see you. I don't want to be around you ever. I can work like this till the end of my life. If you think you need to see me, well, then you need to stop and talk to a psychologist because I am not important to your well-being. Okay. I understand you think you need to see other people. Great. That's you. That's not me. I am perfectly content with waking up in the morning, seeing my wife, seeing my child, then seeing my wife, then seeing my child than going to sleep again. Um, I have witnessed the worst of humanity. I have no problem in saying that really slow. I've witnessed the absolute worst of humanity because I've been part of it. I'm not special. I'm not unique. So because of that, I'm perfectly content with not experiencing that again. Um, I'm sure my kids and my wife They want to experience some sort of randomness encounters, whether it be restaurants, gas stations, convenience stores or whatever. Fine. They will have their chance. It won't happen for a while. And between now and then, I'm going to be perfectly happy and content with random encounters on Discord, random encounters in email, random encounters in voicemail, and random encounters in podcast. And then everybody else can go to hell in a handbasket because I don't care. Well, you know, I'm secretly hoping that this is the way I can run out the clock to tell you the truth. We were just Ding. told today, uh, not actually not today, but the other day during our our major all staff, uh, they said we're not coming back anytime soon. And given any guidelines, they said don't expect the fall. That that's still not on the table yet. So uh, fine. The longer it goes, the better I am because you know. My life is in a good pattern here. I reclaim at least two hours a day for my life from no longer commuting in. And more importantly, I haven't set the alarm clock since we went into this thing. Oh, my goodness, Bruce. That's gold. Uh, And I'll say it like this. If you have anything you would like to say to me or Bruce directly, podcast at LennoxForTheRestOfUs.com. If you would like to say something to me directly, ddg at podcast.com or 
mail at podcast.com or doordoorgeek at gmail.com. Any one of those interfaces will get you direct contact to either me and Bruce or just me. And if you're a dirty, disgusting troll, go ahead and try and contact us. I've been prolific. I've been, I've been literally like gold medal at avoiding trolls for easily a decade, including the trolls that in air quotes, accidentally delete the entirety of my domain. Um, I don't hesitate in speaking the truth. And if you feel like your opinion is so important, don't email me. Put out a podcast, put out a blog post, put out a Twitter post. I don't care. And then simply reference me. Don't email me directly because I don't care. I have far more important things in my life, like Bruce Patterson, like Cody Cooper, like Steve Trevino, like Chris Kermosis, who just did the podcast seminar for Podcast Multimedia Expo this morning, which was epic. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, podcast multimedia expo it's any search even a bing search will result the correct information okay i am too busy making sure my kids are happy my wife is happy i don't care if i'm happy i care if cody's happy josh is happy liam is happy cody is happy ivor is happy joshua dennis is happy and everyone else around me is happy and i really hope I've helped make Bruce Patterson happy this evening. And I'll ask the most ridiculous question I've ever asked in my life. Bruce, do you have anything you would like to say before the end of the show? Absolutely not. I've had an immensely fun time here. And I say, let the good times roll. I wish I could say something that would make Bruce say something like, oh, God, influential. I hate using that word to other people. I'll just put it like this. I thank everyone for their downloads. I thank everyone for their subscriptions. I thank everyone for partaking in this ecosystem I call Podnuts. If you would like to partake in this ecosystem called Podnuts, you can join us on Discord. You can hit me off on Twitter. You can hit me off on email. Everything is in the notes. If you don't know what the notes are, you're a mental invalid. You're an idiot. Don't ask me what the notes are. If you want to partake, click on the show, click on the notes and partake. And I will say again, Linux is not for me. It's not for you. It's not for Linus. It's not for Richard Stallman. It's not for Bill Gates. It's not for Donald Trump. It's not for any of those individuals. Linux was put forth for everybody else. And if you would like to partake, Linux for the rest of us is here for you just like you're here for us and i want to say i love everybody thank you for partaking and we'll talk to everyone again real soon